Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast, a podcast for inspired parents. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kristen. I'm a parent of two little girls and the founder of Inner Architects. I love guiding parents and giving them a space to meaningfully connect, communicate effectively, break cycles, and learn to intentionally parent their kids. I'm an educator, a children's book author, and founder of Language Ninjas. With Language Ninjas and my books on the power of our words, parents and kids are given tools to empower their language. On this podcast, we are highlighting parents and educators who are choosing to mindfully show up differently for kids. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Purposeful Parent Podcast. Today, we welcome May Novak. May is a Greensboro, North Carolina native and a self-proclaimed unexpected homeschooling mom. She never expected to homeschool her now seven-year-old daughter, but out of necessity began homeschooling in 2020. Now she can't imagine educating her daughter any other way. She's on a mission to help parents go from an I-could-never attitude regarding homeschooling to an I-can-do-this attitude. So May, welcome to the show. We're so excited to chat with you today. Thank you. I'm so excited too. And I love the name of your podcast because I think parenting with intent and parenting on purpose is something that I don't, I never heard about growing up. Um, Not that it didn't happen. I just think maybe my parents' generation and beyond, it was more like a you just do it. You just parent, you just fling it out there and do it. And this concept of intentionally parenting on purpose, I love because when I heard that, um, I recognized, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm very intentional and on purpose about how I parent my daughter. And so thank you for putting something together that really resonates with lots of, of parents out there that are putting effort in, like it is their, 200 hour a week job <laughs> to, to do it on purpose for a specific outcomes. So thank you. Oh, we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, while you are, while we did ask and invite you on to talk mainly about homeschool, we would love to talk more generally, or, it, you know, as it fits into the conversation about your purposeful parenting journey as well. So anything specifics you'd like to share with us, um, I'm sure listeners would really appreciate how you are parenting on purpose with your daughter. So um, yeah. feel free to interject that stuff in as well. So yeah, we can get into some goodies with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> let's, let's give the listeners a little bit back of a background. Who are you? Um, what happened in 2020 uh, that, you know, shifted because obviously we were all in a pandemic, but some parents chose to look into homeschooling and some didn't. So what pushed you in that direction? Um, and then, yeah, would, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, well, again, I'm May Novak. It's actually short for Megan, and there's lots of vowels in May, how my parents chose to spell Megan. It's a Irish Gaelic way, M-A-E-G-E-N. And I love my name, but as I got older, um, being misspelled and mispronounced, I was like, let's just stick with May. So May Novak. <laughs> uh, I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm, I'm a native of North Carolina. And um, I went to grad school in 2015 and got my master's in social work at Chapel Hill, fully expecting to be a family therapist. I wanted to do couples counseling, individual family counseling, 
And I got about a year into grad school and realized I don't want to be a therapist. I want to help people learn how to love who they are and be healthier and have more productive lives. But I didn't want to do it in that traditional therapy way, um, owning my own practice and all the paperwork. And it just seemed like a nightmare. So I, um, I kind of shifted course a little bit and graduated with my master's in social work in a community and policy practice route. So it was much more like nonprofit administration and leadership. And I got into that a little bit and I had this idea. I'm all about some affirmations and I love, um, I'm really into like uh, harnessing the power of the way that you think to influence your life and your outcome. And so I decided one day, instead of doing a sticky note on my mirror with a positive affirmation on it, I wanted to like have it printed on a coffee mug. So I would be using my coffee mug and seeing my affirmations. And then I put it on a pillowcase. And then I just started putting it on things I used. And, um, and then I started a business with candles and journals and uh, essential oil roller sticks, all with positive affirmations on the label. And I started a company called Yay Brand in 2017. And I was using my master's in social work to, that turned into a product-based business that uh, was helping people remember their worth through beautiful objects. So that's what I was doing when my daughter was little, like zero to three. I was really creating all of that and coming up with that and had my best month ever in March of 2020. And then the bottom just fell out because no one in the summer of 2020 was looking for a candle that said my dreams are coming true. <laughs> no <laughs> one's dreams were coming true in that year. And it's kind of been an uphill battle since. So um, I let that kind of take the back burner because well, for multiple reasons, what I just said, the climate didn't, wasn't really conducive to such positivity, but also my daughter was growing up and we were getting ready to start thinking about schools for uh, kindergarten. And I was totally a hundred percent on board with the, which private schools are near, um, what, what, like basically which fancy private school do I want to send my daughter to? Um, there's a fantastic public school, like almost across the street from here. And we're not in that district. <laughs> Somehow we're like on the line and it would have been a, a, a different district. And I, I didn't want to, to go that route. So, um, we had decided on a really wonderful, small private school, uh, Quaker private school that's up the road from us. And it looked great. Everything about it was great. It was small class sizes and individual teachers. Everybody had a master's degree and they could help advance students in one way. And they could help kids who weren't really catching on in a different way. And it was just seemed great. So we had all but signed the contract for that in the summer of 2020 um, when everything started changing and my idea of what her kindergarten year would look like 
all and and I'm I know I'm in the same boat with millions and millions of other parents who of kids who started kindergarten in 2020. Your idea of what the first day of kindergarten was going to be was now completely demolished and did not look like something that I wanted. She was starting kindergarten a little bit early because of her birthday and um, she was starting at four. And the idea of, and this is just my personal decision, no judgment to anybody else, but the idea of sending my four-year-old to school for seven or eight hours a day in a mask. And again, this has nothing to do with mainly this had to do with my, my motherly instinct. My motherly instinct to that was like a double, triple hell. No, that's for me. Um, I just couldn't imagine doing that. And so I went from, Oh, great. We're sending her to this great school. We just have to sign the contract. It's going to be wonderful to kindergartners have to wear masks all day. And I was like, okay, well, I have to do something else. It wasn't even like a, let me mull it around. Let me talk to my husband about it. Let's think about it. I was just like, I can't do that. Um, so that's when we started figuring out homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'll just have to say it feel like I just started sweating a little bit. Just saying that out loud in a public platform makes me nervous, which I feel is such a cultural, it's too bad because when your motherly instincts, no matter what it is, says, don't walk down that dark alley or don't do that, or don't turn left when you you turn right instead, when you, you, I've learned enough about life to follow my gut instincts and I've really earned and cultivated the, um, just the trust with my internal instincts to go with the flow of those. And it's, and it served me really well. So when it came to this issue, I didn't care about the politics or the, this or the, that, or whatever. I just knew that for her and for me, it just wasn't the right thing to do. So we overnight stepped into the world of homeschooling. (laughs) Good for you for, for, following that motherly instinct and I'm, I'm, I want to not, not that you didn't care about what anyone else was thinking. I'm sure there was some of that, but yes, but really lean, leaning into what mattered most for you and your family and ultimately for your daughter. So kudos. I didn't, care, I didn't care what other people thought about the decision I made as a parent. I did not. I, I am so far yeah. past caring what people think when it comes to being a parent or really like, or taking care. I don't know. Like I care about other people and I'm very compassionate, which is why I went into social work. I mean, I, I have like a bleeding heart for human beings. I love people. Um, I think it's boundaries. I've learned boundaries and there are things within my scope of influence, right? Like we're not in control of 99% of things in the world, but we are in control of a few. And myself, my body and my, and my daughter, not even my husband, really. I mean, he's his own person. Um, that is what I can control. And so when it comes to that, I do not care what other people think. Good for you. Talk to us about what that transition looked like. So, um, did you have, did you 
find books? Did you listen to podcasts? How did you start the, the homeschooling journey? Well, I had two friends at the time who both had four kids each and they homeschooled. One of them is a homesteader and the other one's kind of was a, they have like llamas. They're kind of all mini homesteaders. So I had two family, two moms that I was really good friends with that homeschooled their kids, homesteaded and did all of this. And I thought that they were amazing women, but I would never, ever, ever, ever want to go that route. So all of a sudden I went from just like being fascinated by their lifestyle to being like, help me. <laughs> like, how are you doing this? What, what are the groups I can get connected to? What are some great blogs and podcasts I can listen to? Um, I, I, like loop me into, to the circuit. And what I found very quickly was there is a extremely thriving and supportive homeschooling community in Greensboro, uh, High Point, Winston-Salem area around where I live. It's funny how when you're not looking for something, you don't know it's there, but then you're looking for it and you're like, this was just here the whole time and I had no idea. So I was introduced um, to, to co-ops and um, moms groups, homeschooling groups. Uh, somebody gave me the book, the Wild and Free mm-hmm. book or recommended that. I read that really early on. And um, so I just started, it's like any project, like a creative project or, or any type of, you know, anything you're trying to do, you just, you just piece it together a little bit at a time. Luckily I learned in kindergarten that you don't have to do this whole curriculum. You can, but it doesn't have to be that way. And so it, it, I had time. I learned very quickly that I had time to figure out a, um, strategy that felt comfortable for my daughter, her name's Reynolds. So what felt comfortable for Reynolds and her learning style and me, I didn't have to figure that out tomorrow. I I learned I had about a year before I um, had to have that, any of that figured out. But um, yeah, so I just leaned on a couple of friends I knew that homeschooled and it, and it mushroomed pretty quickly for me. I'm I'm going to ask some questions coming from Oregon where I've been a teacher too. So I've been in a few different States. So I have seen education different ways in Oregon. Kindergarten's not required um, for kids. So they didn't actually have to start attending school till first grade. So I'm wondering, is there more wiggle room in like for as well for that learning period in kindergarten um, with homeschooling um, where it's, not, not a throwaway year. Cause it's not that, but like you get more time to experience and see what's going on or coming from other States. What does, yeah. What does it look like with homeschooling? Um, are there state requirements that you have to? Yes. Yes. Do? So okay. North Carolina is, um, a, a pretty easy state to school in and or homeschool in. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to say this wrong, it's either has the most homeschoolers in the state or like top three. Um, it, and especially over the past three years, it has just blown up, um, in terms of the number of homeschoolers, but in North Carolina, you don't have to declare your intent to homeschool until they're seven. And so for most people that is about first grade. Um, so I didn't declare our intent until 
literally the day before she turned seven, just number one, you don't have to number two, it's just less paperwork you have to do earlier on. Um, so it's, it's pretty, um, there's not a whole lot of red tape in North Carolina, which is, is good because, you know, it gives people more, more wiggle room, but yeah, seven years old is kind of the cutoff. Yes. Yeah, things you don't think about really <laughs> until it's, um, out there. So it's nice having that, like the clarity on that part too. Like there's, there's yeah. just little things on what does that look like? Um, yeah. Well, I yeah, think that yeah. stops a lot of people initially is because there, it sounds scary. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I went through public school all 12 years and my parents, they had no idea of what, what would go on behind the scenes for like testing and mm-hmm. state requirements and any of this. Cause you don't have to, when you send your kid to school, that's kind of all done when you're the parent or when you're thinking about homeschooling, it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do for, for testing and to make sure there's, they're not behind and all of these things, which are natural and absolutely legitimate concerns and worries. What I have learned is that it's kind of like if you put a a seed in a pot and you're trying to, to grow flowers, you, it really just needs soil, water, and sunshine. Like it doesn't, it's not like it needs all of this stuff to just grow because it's naturally occurring. Mm -hmm. Homeschooling has given me the opportunity to watch my child learn naturally in a way that is similar to like watching a plant grow if it gets what it needs. I mean, of course I've, I, we, I present her with uh, learning opportunities all the time. And we have to sit down and do the boring stuff that she doesn't want to do. It's not all about just sitting back and watching her do whatever she wants to do. Although that is part of it, but homeschooling has really given me the opportunity to realize that humans are way smarter, especially kids, way, 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 way more intelligent than we give them credit for. And I think we're in the society where we think we have to teach them or they will know nothing, right? Like they, they won't do anything if we don't teach them or the schools don't teach them. And the truth is they are more curious than we could ever be because somewhere along the line, we, we lose that curiosity. <laughs> um, they're curious, they're brilliant, they're sponges, they will let you know if you're listening, they'll let you know what they want to learn and they'll let you, they'll let you know. Um, so that's been one of my favorite things about homeschooling is just watching the natural occurrence of education that happens without being sitting at eight hours a day, um, in a classroom. Yeah. So I homeschool my kids too, May. We've talked about that and really, um, piggybacking on everything that you just said, really being able to watch them grow into like lovers of learning, right. And really looking at asking questions and being inquisitive and, you know, working with the environments around them and just wanting to know more and, and asking questions that I don't hear a lot of other kids asking, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that about it. But I mean, I also don't want anyone to think that it's just all like rainbows and butterflies. I mean, I have to cry her Kindle fire out of her hand sometimes and be like, okay, we're out of how to train your dragon world and we're into regular world and we need to like go outside and, and like get curious about things. You know, I mean, it's not all just like making macrame wall hangings with seashells in them. Although that is an activity on our to-do list. Haven't done that's, it, yet, but um, it, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a balance and I've got to stay on track because it's, it's really easy to just, turn on the technology and, um, but even, I mean, sometimes with the technology, she learns from that too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, it's just a a balance, but, but yeah, absolutely. I, I love going on just different trips and experiences. And, um, like later today, we're going to go to the library to do her geography work simply just to get her out of the house and get her in a different environment. Um, because sometimes that really helps with curiosity too. Like if we do her geography work here, um, there's distractions and we've got two eight month old Aussie doodles and they're running around. But if I take her to the library, it's like she's zeroed in and she's loves learning about Africa. That's what, that's the um, lesson we're on right now. So just little tweaks like that um, make homeschooling just something. I mean, I can't, I cannot stress enough how shocked I am that I'm a huge homeschooling proponent. I really did think it was just for weirdos. I'm just going to say it. I did. <laughs> Growing up, I knew like two homeschool families and like, I did not relate to them at all. Um, uh, we're, we're the same age. I, that's basically what homeschooling was. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I thought I was just like, what is going on with the homeschoolers? What? Like, that's so sad. Their parents won't let them come to school and (laughs) rallies in the gym. But like now all the homeschooling teenagers that I know are the most connected eye contact, good, engaged questions, reliable. I mean, we hired the homeschooling family across the street to dog sit and babysit. And they're always polite, respectful and on time every single time. And that's something I've noticed a lot about homeschool kids. Not that people that don't homeschool can't be like that. I'm just saying it's, I've noticed a difference. Yeah. There's been a shift, um, since, since the, those days where it's like the homeschool kids were the ones that were kept home and then came and didn't have social skills. And it's a lot different now. Yeah. Yeah. May and Melissa, I have a question for both of you, since both of you are doing homeschooling, um, you've got your kids, you're teaching your own kids. So for the parents that are like, I I can't teach my own kid. Um, we'll, we'll be fighting with each other by the end of the day. Like how, what are you doing? Um, how are you navigating through homeschool, educating your child, children? Um, how's that going? And what for, I want to hear from both of you, what tips you have and advice for your parents too, that are considering it, but are thinking like, how do I, how do I hang out with my kid all day and teach them? They don't want to hear from me. That's a good point. Melissa, you want to go? Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm going to flat out say that it's hard there. Like May said, there are days that my kids wake up and they're ready to learn and they're excited. And then there are days where I just feel like we're checking boxes just to feel like we got something done. Uh, and I think that that's okay. 
Um, we're, and I'm only a few months into this. Um, you know, they, May's got a little more experience than I do. Um, I've only been doing this since September. But really, uh, I think coming in with a plan is really important. Um, so I use a curriculum that has kind of a general framework, and then I create lessons based off that framework. Um, I would recommend, and it sounds like May, you have a little more support than I do. There's not a lot that I have found so far in Florida that um, is conducive for both of my children. So a lot, what I'm finding is like people are calling things homeschool groups, and it's really just kids that haven't gotten gone to school yet and parents aren't putting them in daycare. So a lot of my, the things that we've found have been like five years and under. Um, so my younger daughter, Aubrey, has lots of peers, but then my seven-year-old does not. Um, so we do a nature group and that's kind of the, the feel of that, but that's really it as far as support that we have. So I would recommend finding more support. And May, I think you can talk, speak a little more to this because you have a tutor that comes in, you have um, some other things that that Reynolds goes to. I do not. So I'm with my kids all day, every day. Um, so it's hard. It's, it's, it's challenging. And like I said, they wake up sometimes ready to go and then sometimes not. Um, luckily, I have a sister-in-law who is very uh, involved in our life as well and available. So they get some stuff from her. She's an art therapist. So that's really cool. Um, my husband is really involved as well. So we do do some shifts on and off. Um, but it is mainly on my plate. And it, it's, I would say, have a plan. Real, like, you don't want to start the day without, like, an idea of what, if there is things that you want to get done. Um, there are lots of books. And if you follow, like, the Waldorf method or anything like that, like, play is really important. So a big shift, mindset shift for me was recognizing that going to the aquarium or going and just playing all day can also be school. Right. Um, I, I dabbled a little bit in homeschooling when the school shut down in New York in 2020. And what I found was I was trying to replicate exactly like their Montessori classroom at home. And my daughter was really pushing back one because she didn't really understand why she yesterday she could go to school and today she couldn't. But also because I wasn't her teacher and I was presenting lessons in a different way. And she'd be like, my teacher doesn't say it like that or you're doing it wrong. So I was having, I was butting heads a lot and they ended up going back to school. And, and we've really like, this is something like, I'm going to be honest about our kind of journey here is we'll evaluate year to year. And I want my kids to be um, part of that decision. I will likely, I mean, I know never is a very strong binary word, but very likely almost never plan on sending them to public school for a variety of reasons. So whether it's we're looking at um, other private schools or there's a really great nature and leadership school here that we've found that we are going to go visit and just to keep our options open, just to make sure that what we're doing is the best for our family. Um, but yeah, I, I think connecting with other people, like-minded people, there's tons of people to follow on social media, tons of different curriculums out there based on what you're looking to do. Um, a lot of the co-ops here around us are religious based, which is why we haven't joined them. Um, so I would, part of me wants to start something that's just like a homeschool collaborative, like something, but 
that'll be in another life probably. But uh, yeah, there's, I'm still learning. There's still a lot, but May, yeah, let's hear from, from your side. Yeah, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, so <clears throat> one of the things that we did initially was I, since um, everybody was at, all the high schoolers were out of school, I hired a friend of our babysitter to come, honestly, mainly because I was like, I need a break from my child to get things done. And so we hired a, she really was more like a babysitter for six months, but she did homeschool stuff with Reynolds too. And so I kind of got my feet wet of like, oh, wait, I don't have to do all of this on my own. I can delegate and Reynolds loves having somebody else come and, and learn with her in a different way. So when that sitter went back to college, I put my feelers out for uh, a homeschool tutor. And so our homeschool tutor comes eight to 10 hours a week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and quite honestly does the stuff I don't like to do math. I'm not a math person. Um, she does like, um, grammar, like all the grammar rules and phonics, all of the really nuts and bolts teacher things that I don't want to do, but I get to do all the stuff I do want to do like geography and, um, history right now we're doing ancient Egypt history. So I can take her to the North Carolina museum of art when they did their mummy exhibit. Um, and then I also do field trips and we travel a lot. And so I'm always making sure she's seeing like, she loves theater. So I make sure we we're going to the, um, there's an off-Broadway production, um, of cats next week. Actually, she doesn't know it's a surprise. So I think she's probably got her, her ear to the door. Cause she's not allowed <laughs> in this room right now. She's probably like this. I gave it away. Um, but things like that, just getting her interested and involved in, in arts and, um, all of the things that in, that are learning as well, but that those nuts and bolts that are going to be part of her testing, I hire a teacher to do. And what was awesome is that her, her piano teacher is now her homeschool tutor. So when they're done with their lessons for the day, they come down here and play piano, ukulele, Reynolds will play the piano and sing at the same time. So she gets her music lesson in with her academics and mm -hmm. it, works perfectly. So that's one thing that we did. And then I also noticed, um, Reynolds is super, she's an only child. So if she had four other siblings, I, the, the socialization piece wouldn't be as important to me, but since she's an only child, um, I, she, I mean, I think the most difficult part, honestly, about homeschooling for me is making sure she's around other kids enough. Um, and so I found a co-op and it's on Mondays and we do half days and it's regular class. It's at a church nearby and it's regular classes. There's like 10 to 12 kids per class. She does Lego robotics. So she knows how to make a robot and make it move. I have no idea how to do that. No clue. I wouldn't even know where to start. So she's learning um, STEM and she's in um, a medieval history course. She's made friends. There's playtimes there. I mean, it's, it's like regular school and she loves that. So between the tutor, you know, eight, 10 hours a week co-op 
that really leaves me with a very manageable amount of teaching. And um, I also work outside of the home about 15 hours a week. Um, So I, a few weeks ago, right before Christmas, I was having a little bit of trouble in terms of like afternoon childcare because my, my, uh, my schedule's been a little crazy in the afternoons. So a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, I can get her in an after school program just because she homeschools doesn't mean she can't go to the YMCA or someplace around that other kids go to after school. She can do that too. And it's not very expensive. So I got her in an after school program from two 30 to six Monday through Friday. We don't go every day, Monday through Friday, but we've got the option to go. And so I take her to after school care and they do homework time there. So I send her packet homeschool packet from here there and she's doing homeschool uh, homework with the other kids so the amount of like me and her sitting down at a desk doing work per week actually is not that much because i i have like delegated and percentaged out a balance that works for her and myself and i never thought homeschool could be that creative i really was like oh my gosh how am i going to spend this much time with with my child, which sounds awful, but I just didn't know. I was like, this is going to drive me crazy. And, and it does sometimes, but actually it's given me the opportunity to get to really know her. And she has relationships with her tutor and other teachers and after school care. So she's got more friends than I do at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how we, that's how we manage and it's working well for now. So We'll see. Yeah. So Kristen, to, to go back to your question, mm-hmm. we're in two very different scenarios. I'm mm-hmm. with my 24 seven. And while there are great days, there are a lot more days that seem to be harder than <laughs> experiencing. So really as parents are listening, if this is something you are looking to do before proactively, I would seek out some of these things. What, what do the co-ops look like? What do the groups look like? Where could you look for a tutor? Um, are there other families that you can connect to? I moved to a new state and didn't have, didn't do that, didn't have that. So I feel oftentimes isolated with what I'm doing. And I think that makes it harder. So really, yeah, it definitely, it definitely does. And the thing is, is that there are so many other moms in your community that are doing the same thing and feel the same way. And as soon as you meet another homeschooling mom, that's somewhat like-minded doing what you're doing, it's like a magnet and you're like, Oh, okay. Like let's stick together. I've made so many friends, like really good friends, just because out of like desperate moms who are trying to figure out homeschooling (laughs) and then you meet and you're like, Oh, like there are so many people like me out there. I think um, like with the co-ops, like what you were saying about a lot of them being religious, that is definitely something that I have found as well. And we're not particularly religious. Like we don't go to church, not, not that there's not good ones out there that maybe we would enjoy, but honestly, I like Sunday mornings and I like to sleep and I just, it's just, I'm not doing that on Sundays. Um, But what I have found is that there's, there's a degree of like, think about, I don't know if you did like vacation Bible school when you were little, I did. 
it, I remember it as just being like fun and not like very religiously teachy, although it was at a church. So like her co-op is it's in a church, but they just teach STEM. Like, it's not like teaching STEM with a Jesus twist. It's just STEM, you know, and it's, it's just ancient Egypt. And, and I, and I'm glad that I did not let, and I'm just speaking for myself because different people have different co-ops in their community, but I'm glad I didn't let that scare me away because what I have found is there's a wide spectrum of parents that go to this co-op. Some are wouldn't miss a Sunday if their life depended on it. Some don't go to church at all. And they're really into crystals and sage and everywhere in between. Um, But it really does help when it comes to like not having to be with your kids all day, every day. So I'm glad that I kind of pushed myself a little bit to be like, let me just see what this is about. When just looking at the website, I probably would have been like, that's not what we're looking for. But then I've gotten into it and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So sometimes, sometimes it helps to um, connect. Also co-ops are a great way to connect with all of the resources in your community. I mean, Homeschool veteran homeschoolers in your community just love passing information to help new homeschoolers. So when you find those people that in your community that have been doing it for a while, uh, cling to them and they will give you all the information that they need or that you need. I don't, okay. I didn't know, Melissa, if you knew you were on mute and it looked like you were talking. Uh, yeah. Um, May, so shifting away from some homeschooler, kind of including also, I want to hear about some of those purposeful parent things that maybe you have done since Ronalds was born or that you learned to integrate as she's been around more with homeschool. Okay. Yeah. So I think the, the most, the first most impactful thing that I did on purpose, which I didn't realize I was doing this at the time really, um, was I have had a very difficult relationship with food as long as I can remember, um, to the point to where when I was about 19, it developed into an eating disorder. I moved to college. I didn't know anybody. I just, it just, all that stress manifested into an eating disorder. And, um, I I went to counseling, which is why I wanted to become a therapist is because I got in some amazing counseling through the university I was at and quit actively doing eating disorder actions. Like I wasn't restricting myself and I wasn't binging and purging or any of those things. So I thought I was healed. Well, turns out the obsession that I had with food and, um, the unhealthy relationship I had with food and the over-exercising and restricting followed by days of eating Krispy Kremes in my car by myself. Like I was still doing that. Uh, you couldn't tell by looking at me, I looked healthy, I exercised all the things, but I still had a really, really unhealthy relationship with food. So when my daughter was born, I got into the best shape of my life very quickly, you know, because I wanted that picture of myself with a six month old baby on my hip with like abs, you know, I don't know why that was so important to me, but it was, but I realized during all of that time that if I did not heal my relationship with food, I was going to pass this down because 
it had been passed down general generationally to me as well. And I, over my dead body, was my child going to look at her body like it wasn't good enough because I was doing that. I was like, this is not the buck stops here. So, um, I hired an intuitive eating coach and spent three years deep, deep, deep diving in, into healing and loving myself and forgiving myself and, um, going to some pretty dark places of things that I had forgotten about what, you know, um, that I needed to forgive myself and heal myself over. And I now I, I have a great relationship with food. I mean, it's just food. Like sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't want a lot. Sometimes I want carbs. Sometimes I don't like, I don't really care. Um, but that decision to face the scariest thing for me was to, to heal this relationship with food, but I did it on purpose because I had to parent her in a way that was reflective of how much I love her and how much I respect her. And if I don't love and respect myself as much as I love and respect my child, then what are we doing here? Like, so, um, that was the first taste of me doing the hard work and, you know, an intuitive eating coach is not cheap. She lived in Australia and she is amazing and she changed my life, but like, it was an investment. It was a physical investment, emotional, um, monetary, the whole deal. But I had to do that on purpose because I needed her. I needed her to not have to go through what I went through. Um, and then once I kind of got to the other side of that, it really opened my eyes to, well, this is how you parent on purpose with intention. It's sometimes it's about parenting strategies, right? Like external parenting strategies and like, how do you get your kid to eat vegetables when they don't want to, you know, but a lot of it I've noticed is personal development on my part. And that is then reflected in on her. And that's a big piece of it too, that like, I don't hear people talking about is parenting from parenting myself. And then that showing up in the way that I parent her. Mm -hmm. yeah we like talking about that journey of parent learning to reparent giving ourselves um what we needed because yeah I feel like we just had a conversation last week with somebody too about talking like our parents don't it's not intentional the things that they're um I mean, sometimes they're intentionally doing things, um, but there's also things that they're not, in, they're it, not intentionally not doing. <laughs> so there's a lot of yeah. that there, but just like the unawareness. Yeah. yeah. Totally unaware. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So, but I think, I don't, I don't, I think in, in how much information is available now in terms of, of, um, personal development, um, there wasn't all that information back, back then. And so I think it could have been very unintentional, especially the way that like women would talk about their bodies and, um, all of that stuff that I witnessed growing up, love my mom. She's amazing. She did nothing intentional. Um, but I saw the way she talked about herself and I was just like, well, if you feel that way about yourself, well, then what does that make me? And, um, there's so much information now about it that, 
um, I think more and more people are realizing, hey, you know, if I don't fix this in myself, there's a real good chance that my daughter or son could act this way as well. So I don't know. I kind of feel like there's really no excuse. (laughs) That's just me though. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. We've had, we've had a lot of conversations on this podcast that seems to circle back to Mm. to this idea of reparenting, noticing what was maybe lacking or something that did happen in your childhood and then being able to actively and consciously work past that now so that you can parent from a different place. Right. And you mentioned the buck stopping here. I think we're living in a generation and I've said it before, and I, I'm, I'm really grateful to be here now in my, in this body and be amongst people that are so willing to look at that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I know that a lot of the people that I, I am connected with are doing that. And that just makes me really proud to be the one in my family to mm-hmm. say, you know, we're done here. Right. Yes longer has a place in this family. It's not needed here. Um, so that's awesome that, that you took the time to do that and that you recognize that, um, to help, to help not only yourself, but your daughter too. Yeah. And it also taught me that I could do it. It like, so for example, now, like with intentional parenting, um, I, because I went through that process with the food and everything. Now I can see more in her like societal messages she's picking up about body and food. And I can talk to her in a way, a way and we can process it in a way <clears throat> that is um, healthy and is very different than I would have if I hadn't gone through all of that. Um So it really just manifests, you know, I don't know if you heard the saying, but I totally believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And it showed me, it set the precedent of how I was going to parent. And basically it's my, the way I parent is like, I just am not going to tolerate, tolerate any, um, any, what's the word like messiness from myself and Mm -hmm. it end up on my child. Like, I'm not going to do it. I've got pretty high standards. Like if I can heal my relationship with food, which was like the hardest thing I've ever done almost, then I can, then we, we got this, we got yeah. this. <laughs> well, and again, like really taking that time to look at yourself and noticing. And, and I agree that, that, you know, how you're doing one thing is going to leak out to how you're doing all of those things. And it comes back to the self-respect and self-love that you have and you mentioned before, like, if you love your daughter more than yourself, what are we even doing? And I would argue that we're physically unable to truly love someone else as much as we can if we don't love ourselves, right? That love yeah. has to be So really taking that time to do that for yourself is rippling out. Exactly. And, you know, I, like as a parent, your child, your kids are the only people in the world that you would murder someone in a split second, if they mess with your kids, like I wouldn't murder anybody for anybody else. Okay. But for my kid, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. And it's just like it, it, that intensity of like protection and self-love, I realized that I could have that for myself. And if I do that, she's going to look at me and know how to be a woman. 
she's going to look at me and know the level of dignity and respect that she will demand from future partners, future employers, whatever. Like me having self-worth and self-confidence is, is making it to where it's impossible for her not to. And, and I think that that's the best um, thing I can do from, for her as a parent and tying that back into the homeschooling piece. One day, I think she's going to see the homeschooling route is not the easier route. I mean, by far, it is not the easier route, but if it, if, but if your heart knows that it's the right route for you, it's actually more difficult to go against the grain of your heart. And so for me, it, it actually was the easier path because I was being true to myself. Um, and so I think she's going to see, okay, wow. It's not always about doing the easy thing. It's about doing the right thing. And again, I'm not trying to say that homeschooling is right and everything else is wrong, but for me, it was the right thing. And, um, I think teaching by example, that doing the more difficult thing even though it's, it's harder, but it's, it's the right thing. And it can teach her and to teach our kids that, you know, standing up, that's like standing up to a bully or doing the right thing. Even if it's the harder thing is the way to go. And I hope I've been an example of that for her. Well, that sounds like you have, mm-hmm. so, um, may you're also taking on some clients to for families that are looking to either start a homeschooling journey or learn how to make theirs more efficient. Um, talk to us a little bit about your coaching. Yeah. So my goal, and I think you said it in the intro is to take people from an, I could never attitude towards homeschooling to an, I can do this attitude. How many times have y'all said, Oh, we homeschool. And the other person says, Oh, I could never. I could never, God bless you for doing that. I could never, I get that. I was one of those people, totally one of those people. And I want to help people if they are in an, I could never, but in their heart, they're like, but I'd really love to. And I want to help them get that little bit of, of mental perspective shift into, Hey, I could do this. And here's how I could do this. And, Oh, there's co-ops and there's homeschool classes and there's the neighbor down the street that, that is offering to teach math at one o'clock on Wednesdays to, to the neighborhood kids. And, oh, there, we could do a tutor. I mean, it's like a, a quilt, it's a patchwork. And I want to help people learn how to make their own homeschooling quilt. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with people one-on-one and how to build their homeschooling journey and um, give them the confidence they need to be able to pull the trigger and say yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. So where, yeah, where can our listeners go to, um, to learn more about you, your program, or to ask you homeschooling questions if they have them? Yeah. So on Instagram, it's how dot may dot homeschools how may homeschools and um i will admit i am not a super consistent instagram person i go through phases and i finally just settled into this and i've been like you know what 
I'm just going to be comfortable with the fact that sometimes I'm on socials all the time and I'm doing reels every day and I'm loving it. And sometimes it's the holidays and I don't want to pick up my phone at all. Um, so I'm very cyclical with my social media, but I do check it. Like if I have a message, I will always respond. Um, so if you don't see me posting stories for a few days, don't think I've disappeared. I just have to fit social media into our life, right? Like it's not like, oh, wait, homeschooling can wait because I have to make a reel today. It's the other way around when you homeschool, like that comes first and everything else comes second. Um, but with that being said, I do plan on being, um, being present and being active and answering any questions. And if anybody's got questions or they want to hop on a call and chat and talk about how they could set up a homeschool. And most of the time in 99% of States, it's, it's not hard. It's really not hard. So I can help them through that process and give them some ideas and how they can structure their life and make homeschooling work for them and their family. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also like to end with asking our, um, for one actionable item that parents can do to pr- parent purposefully. Well, there's <laughs> there are a lot of peas in there, but yeah, what's a, like a little tip or piece of advice that you would like to leave our listeners with about how they can um, purposefully parent? Well, I think I'm just going to reiterate what I said a few minutes ago, which is love yourself enough to take a very honest inventory of the things about yourself that you may be avoiding or the emotional hurdles you have in your life that keep reoccurring and you keep ignoring it. That thing, whatever that is, whether that's food or addiction or, or, or overworking or, or whatever, spend some time and, and heal that thing. And that is going to be the most purposeful parenting technique um, that I could could give as an advice is that really like face face the face your own demons and watch how that shows up in your kids in a positive way. Hmm. Love that. Well, thank you, May. This is an awesome conversation. And I think um, whether parents are looking to homeschool or they're currently homeschooling or just getting the wheels turning on whether, you know, the decisions they've made for their family is actually in alignment. Um, I think this is a great way for them to, to start that. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you. This was so much fun. I love talking to other mamas, other <laughs> like-minded mamas could do it all the time. (laughs) So thank you so much for being here. And thank you again for putting together this podcast and being a resource for parents who um, are really looking to elevate their parenting experience. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. We had a really great time talking with our guests today and hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure to check out the show notes to get more information on today's guests and to check out what they are up to. To learn more about Melissa and Kristen, follow The Purposeful Parent on Instagram. You can also check out what Melissa is up to by following Inner Architect on Instagram. 
And to keep up with Kristen, follow Language Ninjas on Instagram. We'd love to hear how you are choosing to purposefully parent, so please feel feel free to reach out and say hi.